Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Have you ever been so drained that you don't even have the energy to talk on the phone with somebody? I, um, I've reached that point. Uh, so, you know, we talk a lot about balance and I'm the first one that tells everybody I suck at finding that. And the reason is, um, when you do what I do or when I do what I do, I don't know how to pull the throttle back and I get to the point where I'm at now. Um, I will tell you, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I'm going to tell you, so I experienced something, uh, yesterday that I haven't experienced in a while. And I'm going to tell you this. The only thing harder than second grade math is third grade math. Oh my goodness. I felt dumb as shit yesterday sitting down trying to tutor my daughter. And she's looking at me like, Daddy, put your fingers down. We're trying to learn not to count on our fingers. And I'm like, this is the only way I know how to do it. Like, you can sit back and judge if you want. But I'm going to use these damn digits because these digits have gotten me this far. They have never failed me in addition and subtraction, all right? So, I I mean, my head was spinning when I was doing some of this math with them yesterday, and I think it's a testament of of my my math abilities. (laughs) But, hey, good thing we have fingers and calculators and toes to press on. Uh, I'm the kind of dude where, like, and I think I've said this in in other podcast episodes, when, when I'm leaving a tip somewhere, I always have my left hand down on the table, and when I'm filling it in, I'll fill it in really slow, and I'm actually pressing my fingers into the table, counting on my fingers. You can't see that I'm doing it, but that's, that's kind of what I do. Just my little trick. I'm, I am, I'm comfortable with who I am. Uh, I did something I did something today that I, I don't know if I ever promised I would never do it, but I never thought I would do it. And uh, I, I deleted the last episode. So the last episode, episode 93 was titled um, Cowards at the Helm. And if you listen to that episode, it was a very, um, you know, it was one of my favorite episodes, I'll be honest with you, because it was about something that happened at an event. I, I, I said my piece. I said what I thought um, would be addressing, you know, leadership issues. And the longer that podcast went on, the more I just sat back and thought, you know, the support that I had was overwhelming. It was beyond overwhelming. I'm like, I'm telling, like, not, I'm not trying to rehash old stuff, but I do need to explain 
when you start seeing that episode has gone away because I deleted it today and I've already received several messages asking where it went. So I feel I owe it to people that support me to explain kind of what happened there. Um, after sitting down thinking about it, I thought about what my mission is. And my mission that I've been on for years, it's not one, and it never has been one, to create divisiveness. It is it has been to like my, the main point of what I do is to bring people together, to make, make people understand, to hopefully let them understand that there is a major mental health crisis right in front of us. And if we don't do something about it, it's just going to keep spiraling out of control, which has been doing for so long. So my only focus has been to address is to address that. Uh, I know that a lot of times when I speak, it's, it's um, sometimes it can sound pretty vicious and it's not that I intentionally set out to do that. But the reason I deleted that episode was, was because of this today I had a moment of clarity and I'm sitting out on my farm. Look, I'm going to tell y'all, you know, there's, there's been times over the course of the last two years, I haven't been in a good place. And um, I talk about that and you, if you've listened to all of these episodes, there's some episodes where it's clearly, uh, it's clearly obvious that, when recording some of those episodes, I'm not in a good place. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm in a dangerous place, but it, it, it does mean that I'm not in a, in a healthy and productive place. And that's the place I'm at right now. And this is, again, this is not a cry for help. This isn't, I'm fine, but it's just, I have nothing left in my cup. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I've poured it all out. I'm pouring from an empty cup. I've been pouring from an empty cup and I've been faking it and I've been faking it in front of a lot of people. Uh, because when I'm called to do what I do, I, I turn it on because I know it needs to be done. There's a mission there. The mission needs to be accomplished. And my entire upbringing and everything I've ever been through in life has taught me that mission accomplishment above everything else. So I got to start practicing what I preach. I got to start putting myself first and stop putting myself last. See with what I do. I, I, I give so much of myself. I put so much of myself out there. I don't take enough time to refill my cup. I can't tell you how overwhelming and, and what a wonderful feeling it is with the support that I've gotten over the years. All right. And that's what makes it easier to go out every single time to do post-traumatic purpose because the, the, the folks supporting it, it means everything in the world to them. It means everything in the world to me. So I was sitting here on my farm and I had a thought and I was thinking about that episode that I recorded. And although my heart was in the right place and people that I spoke out against on that episode, it doesn't mean that I... I don't like those people. Like, you know, I don't know the right words. Um, but I thought with what I do, my job and my mission statement is to protect everybody that is involved in mental health, not just the ones that see it the way I see it, even the ones that see it and disagree with it. My job is to protect them too. My job is to be um, open about mental health. But it's not to go on the offense because some people don't support it. And the more I sat there and thought about it, I said, you know, I can't just make a podcast and I can't 
speak out against people that clearly don't support it just because they don't support it. If they don't support it, that's on them. If they're in a leadership position and they don't support it, then that's on them and that's on that agency to figure that out. It's not a Travis Howell's problem to go around to every single department around this country, police and fire and EMS, and for me to to fix their problems. The only thing that I can do is speak about awareness and speak about the truth of this thing and what it does. And I had to refocus myself. And I listened to that podcast again, and I thought, you know what? I'm not changing my stance on anything. The people that needed to hear that heard that podcast. The agency that needed to hear it heard it, and I received overwhelming support from people within that agency. And when I sat there and thought about it, I said, you know what? The point has been made, and now that episode is clearly just entertainment for everybody else that's tuning in. And that's not what I'm doing here. I was an entertainer when I was on stage doing comedy. I'm not, I'm not an entertainer anymore. I'm, I'm 100% focused on educating people and bringing people together. And then I thought about, I said, you know what? That's the first episode that I think that I just need to, I need to delete it and I just need to take it down because it's not the direction that I want to go in. Um, so there's that. So for the folks that asked, there it is tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday, uh, November the 13th and I'm heading to Moline, Illinois, the 14th, 15th and 16th. I have six events. We have over 700 people registered for these events. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be honest. I'm scared to death. And for the first time in my time doing post-traumatic stress, I'm scared or post-traumatic purpose. I'm actually scared to death. Not because I'm scared to do an event because when I tell you I'm pouring from an empty cup, it's bone dry. There's not a drop coming out of it anymore because I have depleted myself of everything I got. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to get through those six events. I know I'll do it because that's what I do. I, 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 I flip the switch. I'll go in there and I'm going to go hard as I do. But the problem is when I left last week, I don't even remember where I was. I was in Fairfax County. See, I can't, I can't even remember where I was. Everything's running together so much. I went to my hotel and I laid in bed for 15 hours, 15 hours. And while I was laying there, I was in agonizing pain. I was just mentally drained. I was physically beat up. And I said, dude, something's got to give. You cannot keep going like this anymore. That doesn't mean I'm getting out of mental health. I got to, I got to redirect and I got to find a way if I want longevity in doing what I do, which is what I'm passionate about, then I got to figure out a way to redirect all of my focus into this thing. So I'm not depleting myself of everything I have. I listen to people after events. I take emails. I take calls. I call people. I was on the phone yesterday with a, with a gentleman in Missouri who was in a horrible, horrible place. I'm in a bad place. I'm driving down the road with my family. The call comes in. I take, I take the call and I'm talking to this man pretty much kind of talking him off of a ledge for a little bit. And the whole time I'm having to hold my shit together because, Hey, look, I'm the person people come to sometimes. And that's how it is. And it's not how that's not me complaining. This is me being honest about what this thing is. The only way for you to be great for other people is to be great for yourself. And you got to think about that. How, how does that just boil down to the, the playing field with the family? Uh, you know, a heart family, 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 because those are the people that are our biggest support group. That is it. They're our biggest support base and they're the, they're the most neglected support base because we take it all out on them. I can't over 
emphasize the importance of making sure your cup is full. I'm going to read a review that just came in. And uh, I, I normally don't do this with reviews. I don't think I've ever read a review out loud. But this one this one hit home for me for a multitude of purposes. And this is kind of, it's not a lengthy one. It's, I mean, it's about two paragraphs. But I want to read it. And I want to tell you my thoughts on this and why I'm reading this. So this lady said, Travis's training and sharing of his story helps open the door to a deeper understanding of what life for first responders is really like. Travis's teaching style is filled with raw honesty, deep vulnerability, and passion for helping not only his fellow peers, but the professionals who work to help bring healing to first responders. During his training, he shared a difficult moment of personal reflection he had about his struggle with PTSD and how it is impacting those he loved the most. Sharing this in the way he did allowed me to be able to see my own dad's behaviors in a new way and brought some deep healing to me that no amount of previous therapy has ever been able to do. Think about that. I'm deeply grateful for his ability to share from the heart and hold compassionate space for his and others' pain. And I want to talk about that for a second. The reason that's so important is because I remember this event. This event was in Pittsburgh. And this was several months ago. And after I was done speaking, this lady pulls me to the side and she's in tears and she's shaking. And I walked over to her and I asked, I said, are you okay? And she says, I don't know. And so I stood there. Fortunately, it was right next to the cookie tray and there were chocolate chip cookies there. So I started eating them and watching this lady cry, you know, and (laughs) she, she just opens up, man. And she says, I just realized who my dad really was. And you could see the pain. She was, she, she went on to tell me she, she was, uh, when she was young, her father was this mean person. He was very off-putting. He was, you know, they walked on eggshells. He would yell, all these things. All these things that we talk about on here, that was her father. And all the years of therapy that she'd ever been to her entire life, nothing helped her see more clearly than another human being just sitting in front of her telling a true, raw, uncensored story. That's it. And what I mean by that is how many of you out there have a story where you can talk to people and just be real with them and help them understand whatever else they're going through. And I'm willing to bet there's a ton of you, an absolute ton of you. She went on to talk about the raw honesty and the deep vulnerability. Now, see, before I knew what I was really getting into years ago, I know it's always hard to talk about, but what I did not realize was this. You are emptying your soul every single time you talk, right? It's, it's, it has healing properties, but it's also very difficult. And not only that, you're actually taking the energy from people in the room too. And you're taking a lot of their negative energy, which is why it's so exhausting. And I, why am I telling you all this? I don't know. I don't know. I want, and I guess it's because of this. Because if you ever do think about going down the route or down the road that, that, that I'm, that I'm on where you're out there on a circuit, you're actually talking to people about mental wellness and and healing and all this, you better understand just what it does to you. And that's the only way that you can do it and get longevity. When I talk about post-traumatic purpose, I talk about having longevity with our families, longevity with our career, longevity in life, and not just longevity, but healthy longevity. And I'm not living proof of that. 
I, I sat down the other day, man, and I, I, you know, I told y'all about the soccer field thing, and it's not just the soccer field. So I called, actually, I called my buddy Randy, and I, I said, Randy, I said, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I said, I, I seem lately, I seem like I'm, I'm on edge, and I seem to be going back down a road that I was on a long time ago, and I thought I'd gotten away from that. And Randy stopped me right in my track. He told me, he said, dude, he goes, you don't have anything left to give, dude. He goes, you haven't taken time for yourself. And so I was like, all right, man, my dad's calling. Let me, let me, let me click over and talk to my dad. So I was talking to my dad. I was telling him the same thing. And my dad told me the same thing. He said, you're not taking time for yourself. See, other people can even see this. They can see it's happening. And I told my dad, I said, you know, when I look at my life and I look at all of the people that I've had to correct or, or, um, break it off in their ass. If in not so many words, I realized in that moment, I was, it's, it's all my fault. Like it's not them. It's always me. I said, dad, I'm just going to go down a list of names and I'm just going to name names of, of events that I can remember where I had to stop somebody, confront somebody, correct somebody, blah, 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 blah. And within like Five seconds, I had repeated off 15 names, and it and it kind of made me sick to my stomach. I was like, damn, no wonder you don't have any fucking real friends. No wonder you you put yourself into a, uh, like in, in, in places where you're inaccessible. I do that because I know something's wrong with me. I know that the further away from people I am, the less opportunity I have to be in a confrontation. And that says a lot about myself. That tells me I'm weak. That tells me I'm still broken. That tells me I got a lot of work to do. And it's sad because when I, when I think of myself right now, you know, we never think about, you know, closing your eyes and fast forwarding 30 years into the future, being a 70, 80 year old person. We live for right now. Most of us, we plan for the future, but we don't expect it to really get here. And before you know it, it's here. Look, man, I've already been a veteran of the military for 22 years. That's in a snap of a finger. I've been out for 22 years. I'll be 66 years old in another 22 years, and that's another snap of the fingers. And where am I going to be? And I'm, not, I'm, I'm speaking for a lot of people out there to listen to because I know we're a lot, a lot alike. Where are we going to be? I was sitting on the farm this morning. And I was sitting there with my wife. We were sitting on the golf cart, and we were watching the sun come up over the field. And I said, you know, we had, we, I was looking at the horses, and I said, in, 20, in 22 more years, because I, I gave the same scenario, I said, those two horses are going to be dead. All those donkeys right there might be dead. And I go, we might be looking at the same landscape. Some of these trees might have fell over. I said, but what's going to be different? She said, what do you mean? I go, I'm probably not going to be speaking like I am. I'm not going to be traveling like I am. See, most of my friends are acquaintances from around the world, around the country. But when it comes down to real friendships, I don't have any. I have one, and that's Randy. Everybody knows that. That's the guy at any time of night I can call if I need something. Like, literally, that's the one person I could really, really count on. And I'm not I'm not sitting here taking a bid for friends or doing like a sign-up sheet. I'm not. That's not what I'm getting at. So, But I think it's important to start expanding that social circle. I've allowed my world to collapse. I've allowed to focus on everything that's right in front of me. Yes, I go hard in the paint. Yes, I am putting myself out there. I've received 
you know, so many wonderful thank yous along the way. Yes. Thank you, Travis, for coming out and, and doing this event. And, and it's, it can't be easy. No, but you know what? There's a price to it all too. There's a price that I'm paying right now and I'm realizing this. I'm just vocalizing and I'm not having a pity party. And I want you to understand that I think so many of us do this. We let time pass so quickly that our lives just become normal. We become used to and accustomed to not having people around us, but man, you, you gotta have healthy relationships with people. You know, in my mind, I'm skydiving in my mind. I'm rock climbing in my mind. I'm walking through the woods, but in reality, I'm sitting on my porch, drinking a cup of coffee, looking at some donkeys and some horses alone 90% of the time. And that's a direct reflection of who I'm going to be when I'm in my sixties. If I don't, if I don't get off my ass and change something about it, I talk, I, I say this because Every single time I go out of town, I'm asked, hey, do you want to come to dinner? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? And I always say no because of this. Because what I do the next morning when I'm speaking, it hurts me so badly. I need all of the rest I can get. Or if I'm asked to dinner after an event, I'm already suffering. So I just, and I don't like showing that. I don't like telling people about it. I don't like showing it. I like going and hiding in my room and like curling up in a ball and eating Advil and Motrin like M&Ms and stretching on the floor. Well, I'm talking to my dad and my dad told me pretty much what I already knew. And I told him, I said, dad, something's got to change. I said, I feel like I'm just about to explode. And I, I never talked to my dad really like that. So I get to, uh, I get to uh, a point where we're done with the conversation. I go back inside and I'm just trying to have a moment with my daughters and the doorbell rings. And I'm sitting there doing homework with my daughters when the doorbell rang. So I get up and I go to answer the door and the dogs are there. The girls are there. We have a no solicitation thing at the beginning of the neighborhood. And these two salespeople really didn't care about that. They just wanted to come sell whatever product they were selling. And I opened the door and I said, how can I help you? And the guy goes right into his sales pitch. And man, I just didn't, I just didn't have it in me to hear what he was selling. And I just got off the phone with my dad addressing the problems that I'm having, addressing the concerns that I feel like I'm constantly being pushed and being tested. And it's up to me to keep it in check always. And that's the hard part is always keeping it in check, eating shit sandwich after shit sandwich after shit sandwich after shit sandwich. And eventually you just want to spit it out, but you got to keep taking that bite, right? When the guy starts in his sales pitch, I tell him, I said, man, we're good. And I said it as politely as I possibly could with as little tone involved in it without trying to look overbearing or aggressive. And he says, but, but I got this. And I said, man, listen, we're good. And I look at the other guy and I, and I nodded to him like, you know, get your friend. Y'all get the fuck out of here kind of thing. And I go to walk inside and he says something again. And for the third time in in a row, I raised my voice a little bit. And I said, we are good. That's it. And, And then he looks at me, got smart. He's standing on my doorstep now. Got smart with me. Said something else to go into his pitch. And then that's when it happened. I raised my voice even louder. I told him to leave. And I had to look aggressive, get aggressive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, get it, take an aggressive posture. My kids saw it and I was begging to get out of that situation. Begging. What am I supposed to do? I'm at my home. 
I am as reclused as a human being can be. I'm in my place of comfort. I'm in my safe zone. I'm not out in the real world. I'm not bothering anybody. I'm not giving people looks. I'm not blowing my horn. I'm not in traffic. I'm just at my home with my kids and I don't want to be bothered. And I still, I still get tested. And I don't know how to handle that situation. I tried to be polite and polite didn't work. I told, I tell people all the time, man, I remember when I was a police and you'd be in the streets and you ask somebody nicely to do something, they'll walk all over you. They take your kindness for a weakness. People respond to aggressive behavior and aggressive tone. I, it, it's unfortunate it has to be that way, but when you're in the Marine Corps, your drill instructor doesn't come up and say, hey, would you pretty please hurry up? No, they tell you to hurry the fuck up before they gouge out your eyeballs and, and you know what? I don't know if y'all know the rest of that. But they motivate you through fear, through violence. And that's what gets people's attention. Now, there are people out there that say good leaders don't have to yell. I'm 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Good leaders don't have to. I guess I'm not a good leader. I guess I've, I've, I've come up short many a times because the world I came from, people got aggressive. That's what they did. It was, let me out alpha male this person into submission and get what I want out of them. And that's how it was. That's just how it worked. I did see a few very effective leaders, especially in the Marine Corps. They never had to get aggressive. We had a, we had a kid named George Massu. I mean, he's the sweetest dude in the world. And I could just watch him. He's just one of those natural leaders, man. People would do anything for this kid. And then you get me. I ask you nicely. Nobody would want to respond to it. Until you get aggressive. So I don't know. Now I got work to do in leadership. So after that event, I, um, with, with the salesman, I did something I don't do, man. I went and I text my, I text my therapist. Normally I schedule things way out and I knew something wasn't right. And this is why I encourage everybody to have a therapist, somebody in their hip pocket, man. I knew something wasn't right. And I text her. I said, can we talk? This woman called me immediately clear her schedule because she knows her clients. She knows Travis Howes and however many years we've done this has never, never asked that just out of the blue. And we sat down over the phone and we just talked for a minute and she told me the same thing. She says, dude, you're too full. You're pouring for an empty cup. She told me what I already knew. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that empty cup for a second. How many of you out there are just giving and you really don't have that much to give. If, if, if you have anything left at all, how many of you are just holding your cup and nothing's coming out? Like you're just, you just have it upside down and you're tapping on it and you're looking up in there. You're like, all right, something's got to come out. That's because you're not doing anything for yourself. You got to do something for you. Got to do something to make you feel good. Look at a cell phone. Look at anything with a battery. I mean, when that battery dies, you got to charge it, right? And that's what we have to f figure out. That's how, like, how we have to learn. God, I can't get my words right. We, we got to learn how to charge our batteries. You know, I don't even enjoy this farm any, anymore the way that I used to. I remember, y'all remember like an episode. I don't remember what episode it was. When I first came out here and started recording from here, I was so excited. You know why? Because I had all of the time in the world to spend out here. And I've been on the road so much and in between doing the road, running podcasts, you know, coming up with content, taking people's calls and this and that, that I haven't left myself any room to grow. I haven't left myself any room for any kind of internal peace. 
It's go, 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 go. And, and man, you just get wore out and you get wore thin. Again, I'm not complaining. I love what I do. But I also see that something's happening. Something needs to change. So I can be better for everybody that I serve, including my family. I was thinking about this the other day too, man. I started, I was, I started thinking about like all these negative things and I don't know where it was coming from, but I was in my own head. Okay. And I've heard people say that, all, uh, you know, a bunch when I was growing up, I've never used those words in my life. Like I'm, I'm in my own head, but it makes a lot of sense. Like, because I think sometimes we'll start questioning who we really are. I think we'll start questioning our capabilities. I think we'll start questioning whether I've had, I had moments in life where I question my good human being. And I know the answer to that. The answer is yes. I'm a, I think I'm a fantastic human being, but I've actually questioned that before. And I've went down that rabbit hole of telling myself why I don't believe I'm a good human being. And I started like reliving some bad things and started thinking about some things that I've been a part of. And yeah, you get in your own head and you start believing things. You start believing your own thoughts. And so when that happens, how do we reverse that train of thought? How do you, how do you turn that? How do you turn his bad thoughts into good thoughts? You know, and I teach about this in post-traumatic purpose. I talk about perspective. And then I, I start looking at those bad things. I do this every single time. Sometimes it takes me a minute. Sometimes I go further down the rabbit hole than I want. But when I start looking at those bad things, I start finding good things inside of those bad things. And then I slowly start shoveling myself out of that hole that I was digging, that mental hole that I was digging myself down into. And I think that's a very uh, good way to handle it. At least it's worked for me in the past. You know, when you're having these bad thoughts, pull over on the side of the road and just say, you know what? I'm having these bad, bad thoughts. That doesn't mean you're, you're having suicidal thoughts, but it just means you're having doubts and you're having, um, there's nothing positive coming from the energy you're giving yourself. You ever wake up some days and some days, man, you're just on top of the world. And the day just goes perfect for you. And then there's other days they don't seem to, it never seems to get better. And there's a day on top of day and just stacked. These days are stacked on top of one another. You can't figure out how to get out from underneath them. You're like, man, if something could just break my way. And that's, that's when you really got to create it, man. You really got to go out and make it happen. You got to say, I got to break this cycle myself. And the only way to do that is to get out of the rhythm that you're in. And the only way to get out of that rhythm is to get into a new rhythm. And that's to do things that are uncomfortable. That's to do things that are scary. That's to do things outside of your normal routine. And that's how you break that cycle. I can't tell you how toxic the news is. I can't tell you how toxic conversations with toxic people can be and toxic mindseted people. Is that even a word mindseted? People with a toxic mindset, all right? And the reason I say that is this. When I sit back after doing what I just told you and I start, you know, start going down that rabbit hole, I start thinking about all the good things. And then I and then I can easily reflect on why was I thinking like this? Well, I've been watching the news a lot lately because the Senate races are coming up. Not that I'm like over here like grandstanding or cheering for any one party. I think I think everybody knows which way I go, but I I'm interested to see what's going on. But then I can't help 
but to see all the fuckery that's going on too and to start questioning where our country's going start living in fear of of the world my kids are going to grow up in um they make it sound like when you walk out when you walk out in the town um you're going to be ambushed by you know the other other side if you don't believe and that's true on the news. I mean, they make it look like that. It's polarizing. But then on top of that, man, when you when you when you talk to people, so I have a very small circle, extremely small. I'm talking to two fucking people, right? Literally, that's my circle. And when I talk to my dad every morning when I have coffee, if he's in a bad mood and he's talking about the news and he's talking about the government and he's talking and, and me too. Like I'm not look, listen, we, we feed off of one another. And then the second I hang up with him, who do you think I call? I call Randy every morning. It's like clockwork. And I'll talk to Randy until I got to go to the gym. So I'll talk with my dad for an hour in the morning. Then I'll talk with Randy for an hour in the morning. And by the time that's up, I'm done drinking coffee. I'm in my truck and I'm on the way to the gym. I hang up with Randy and I listen to the local conservative talk show. Shit, I just told him myself. I'm not saying that's the way I go. I just happen to like that radio station. All right. But then when I'm listening, when I get to the gym, you got to think of all the shit that's already been through my mind that morning. It's not even eight o'clock in the morning. All right. Hopefully we had a decent conversation with Randy and my father, but most likely we're bitching about something. Okay. And then you're listening to, I'm listening to conservative talk radio. Let's just put it out there. And I'm listening to their, them bitch about politics in the current climate and all this other array of shit. And then I walk into the gym and I'm working out. And I'm already setting the tone for my day. Fuck, I'm 44 and I'm just figuring this out. Like, you, you see, like, I'm, God damn it, I'm baffled. I just had an epiphany while talking into this microphone. I just had, like, literally, I, I'm at a loss for words right now. My days are controlled by my mornings. Think about that. You set the tone for your entire day. If your day starts out in conflict and, and, and hostility is spoken and judgment is given and um, fear is set in just through conversation and worry and uh, angst and all these things, you're feeding all your anxieties. You're feeding all your fears. So, yeah. When you go out into the real world, guess what? You go with you. You're taking that shit with you. How can we how can we fix this? How can we fix this? I'm not going to change talking to my dad. That's my dude. That's my main man. I'm not going to change talking to Randy. But we can change what we talk about. And I can talk to them about that. This is going Man, this is karma coming back to bite me in the ass because in post-traumatic purpose, I tell I tell the story about my captain. We gave him an ulcer because of our constant complaining and bitching. And he asked us to stop bitching for a shift. He like literally gave him an ulcer. He asked us to stop bitching for a shift. And I told him we would. And then three minutes later, I was bitching because I didn't want to not bitch. And guess who got an ulcer like a couple weeks after that on the job? I did. This is exactly what's happening. Toxicity fuels toxicity. I mean, I teach this stuff. And you see, like, even I'm susceptible to it. I got to do some fucking yoga with goats or something. Y'all ever hear about that crazy shit? 
I don't. I think that sounds appealing to a lot of people that don't understand goats. But if you know how much goats shit, you wouldn't be having your face down in the fucking ground in front of a goat. I promise you. Goats are the nastiest little bastards in the planet. That's why I don't have goats. I'm little nasty son of bitches. I don't have them. I won't have them either. <laughs> My mind is blown right now, y'all. Look, I know this isn't going to be the most fruitful episode. All right. I came at you for a little bit sideways in the beginning um, because, you know, I was in some deep thought. I had a uh, I had a fantastic conversation with some leadership of a department, you know, recently that's making making some changes in their department, you know, on, on how they address, you know, wellness. And it's fantastic, man. I'm super proud of those guys and girls and. I think, you know what I think is big? I think I think this is really big in recovering. I think this is really big in, in finding happiness and peace. Letting go of pride. You ever hear Marcellus Wallace in uh, Pulp Fiction? He says, that's pride fucking with you. Nothing good comes from pride. Men and women die over pride all the time. Businesses die over pride. People suffer over pride. Pride, you don't really have anything to gain from pride. You always lose. And pride, you're the only person that has it. Everybody else kind of sees right through it. You know, it's, um, the older I get, the easier it is to let go of that shit. I'm far from perfect. I still struggle. I don't ever want to pretend like I got it all together. I don't ever want to like, like lead on that. Hey, follow this roadmap and I can show you, I can show you how, how to be better for your family. I can show you how, how to be, you know, financially free to where you can sleep at night. I can show you how to be peaceful within. Cause I can't, I can't, I can't show you that. I can show you how to keep doing maintenance on it. I can show you how to stay in the fight. I can show you what's worked for me, but I haven't made it. I haven't made it to the mountaintop of this shit. And anybody that says that they do, I, I honestly feel like they're a con person. I really do. I mean, it's somebody that really, really struggles with this stuff. I don't, I don't believe you ever crest the mountain and leave it in your rear view. I think it's always a part of you. And I think the way that you learn how to manage is how you go through life. You know, you can go through life hectically or you can go through life peacefully. It's all how you want to manage it. You know, I think, um, I think people, cause there's people out there that they'll, they'll talk about, you know, healing people with post traumatic and like, no, 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 no. <laughs> then you don't have post-traumatic stress. I'll be the first, I'll be the first dumb son of a bitch to call somebody out on that. You know, not trying to judge our, our symptoms and our signs here, but. Let's just, let's be honest with this thing. I've had people, I've had people reach out to me and they're like, dude, how can I, how can I get past this? And I've, I've told them straight up, man, I don't know that you'll ever get past it, but you got to find a way to manage it. You have to, because what, what other alternative do you have? Y'all please keep checking in. Hope I'm hoping to have these things out for you every Monday, but listen, there might be a Monday you know, I know I promised in the beginning, but also to, I didn't realize I didn't know what I was getting into. And I went into this with the best of intentions. Like, Hey man, every Monday I'm going to have this. 
I was talking to my wife about this a minute ago, and I said, you know, it doesn't seem like it's hard to talk about stuff on a podcast, but when you sit down weekly and you relive things and you hash things out and you pour yourself out, and then you got to go on the road and pour yourself out, it adds up. So if there's ever a Monday here in the near future where you check and there's not an episode, th- th- that's why. Um, I'm not intending on not doing one, but man, there I may have to pump the brakes. And just take some me time. And I hope y'all can understand that. And like I say, I, I really, truly appreciate everybody's support. It has been so overwhelming and it has meant so much to me. And I want to keep, I want to keep giving and I want to keep being a part of this thing. And I want to, but I want to do it the best I can. And right now, I don't feel that I'm doing that right now. I don't feel like I'm giving the best me that I have to give. And how many of you are doing that same thing right now? Put your fucking hands down. Jesus, we've been over this in other episodes. Stop raising your hands. Stop looking at your spouse driving down the road. We we know. If it hits home, it hits home. All right? There's a lot of us out there. But how many of you have actually looked at that other person and looked at your spouse or looked at, looked at somebody like one of your superiors and sat down and said, look, man, I got nothing left to give right now. I'm empty. I'm, I'm barely getting through this. That's a hard, hard thing to say openly without fear of judgment, without fear of losing your job, you know, um, start with your spouse start with your family members, sit them down. If you truly feel that way, let them know because they might be able to help you and collectively y'all might be able to help each other. But you keep pouring from an empty cup. Everybody is going to die of thirst around you. Think about that. All right. Y'all have a good one.